Thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages. You're with welcome, Jeff Joe. <laughs> Thank you I, so much. I am glad to join you. My name is Joe Caruso. <laughs> this guy over here is Jeff Bogue, and that's who we're going to be discussing Mixed Messages with. Well, from news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should so think, true. live, and make decisions. That is so true. You know, Jeff, 75 episodes in, I'm glad you agree with this premise. <laughs> <laughs> and when everyone disagrees, we cut. how do we cut through the noise? How do we, Joe? <laughs> I'm not sure, but our leadership... <laughs> I mean, I was really hoping we could actually use that tape. What? No, you can, you, we're yeah, using this tape. We're using it. Let's we're go. not dumping <laughs> it. Right. What's our leadership do, now Joe? That, now, that, <laughs> now everybody knows we record this every time. Uh, we, <laughs> we've been processing these things, and our leadership is praying for all of us. That's why we know. So we want to offer this ah. resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. <laughs> Um, if anybody out there would like to audition to be <laughs> on this podcast, we take those. Oh, man. Jeff, how are you, buddy? I'm better now that I made you mess up the intro, Joe. It's been a goal of mine for 74 episodes. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. Uh, I, I think by my calculations, we're on episode 75, which is super fun. Um, I don't know that I ever knew that we'd go this far. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Who knew, who, knew, who knew that anybody would care what we thought? For 75 episodes. Seriously. I'd be honest with you. My expectations were low. <laughs> uh, I also think this is the first one you've recorded in a hat. So maybe all this laughter Ooh. is the hat. I don't know. Maybe. I just think it's the first time I got to mess you up <laughs> it, in your intro. It worked perfectly. It did. I mean, part of it is you actually spoke. Yeah, <laughs> most, I know. <laughs> I just used, most of the time you just try to do gestures. Yeah, or I'm usually not uh, done reading my phone until after Joe has <laughs> done the intro. Oh man! Oh my! Well, he's sweating, everyone. If you can't see, well, I, I well, yeah, I'm probably at least glowing. It's warm in here today. It is. So it is. It's warm outside, which might be part of it. Maybe the air is not on today. Mm. Yeah, 68 and sunny. It's like spring weather. I like it. I like it, too. I'll take it. All right. Well, <laughs> ironically, we do love to have fun on this podcast, but we have a submitted question from one of our listeners today, and uh, this this is some good Bible stuff, Jeff. This, is, um, this listener says, I know that today, if you believe and trust in Jesus and accept him as your Savior, you go to heaven. But before Jesus came to earth... How did people go to heaven? Did they have to provide animal sacrifices for every sin? And that's where their question ends, Jeff. Like, how how did that work? We we know, I guess, as Christians today, it's all based on Jesus, the cross, and his resurrection. But yeah. what, what would you do before that? That it's a great question, and it's it's uh, I, I'm going to answer it. it it's going to feel a little bit more complicated, maybe, than it was, but it was kind of a thing, and. Probably the best thing, this is a little bit of a, uh, I don't think it's a cop-out, but probably the best thing to do is read the book of Romans. It is. Because what what Paul does through most of the book of Romans is he he distinguishes or walks us through how we used to be justified by works, but now we're justified by faith. So the word justified, um, like an easy definition of that would be like made right with God. Yeah. Right? So in the Old Testament, um, especially from Moses forward, uh, God gave people what was called the law, mm-hmm. right? And the and the law kind of existed before that a little bit. So there were sacrifices 
that people would do to God, starting with Adam and Eve and their families. In fact, that was the tension between Cain and Abel. Right, right. Um, and, and you can read that a little bit. One was offering a worthy sacrifice, one an unworthy sacrifice, and it, called je- it caused jealousy. And then you see that system of sacrifices play forward up into uh, through Noah, and then you see it uh, there with Abraham and Isaac, and that he was going to offer Isaac on an altar, um, and God provided a ram instead. So you you see those those uh, that interaction with God, and you see in people's interaction with God, God teaching people that it, in essence, takes a life to purchase a life. Mm-hmm. And from the time that Adam and Eve uh, broke the perfect covenant with God, the mm-hmm. perfect relationship with God, when they allowed sin to uh, enter the world or they invited sin to enter uh, their lives in Genesis chapter 3, up until Moses, what you see is you still see a merciful, loving, compassionate God providing a way for people of true faith searching for him to find him and interact with him. But he would the way that he provided was almost a, a physical illustration, so to say, where you would take something of greatest value, usually a lamb, sometimes something else, but something of greatest value, you would shed its blood. And the the picture was that it takes a life to purchase a life. So our sin is so egregious to God, to a holy, righteous God, that it takes life to purchase a life. So later on in Romans, Paul says the wages of sin is death, the the payment for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, even back in the Old Testament, God was teaching people that the wages, wages is what you earn for what you do. The mm-hmm. wages of your sin is death. Yep. And it takes a life to purchase that life. And so even before Moses, uh, people were offering the blood sacrifice to, to do that. People of faith, people who truly sought God and truly pursued God, God gave them that process to truly seek Him and truly pursue Him and it, it justified them, mm-hmm. right? Now, from Moses forward, you start to receive the written law. Mm-hmm. So the basis of the written law is the Ten Commandments. So Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, God gives him the Ten Commandments, um, comes down, the people build a golden calf uh, as, an, as an idol, he breaks the original set, goes back up, and has to carve his own. But that's the, that's the basis of what we would think of as the majority of the Old Testament and how it, how it worked. From that Ten Commandments, then, <clears throat> God gave other commandments throughout um, uh, the Old Testament, and he also instituted the system of the tabernacle, where you would go to the tabernacle, which later became the temple, you would bring your blood sacrifice on the Days of Atonement. God put in place the days and the feast and all these things to remind us of, of love and remind us of our need for sin. And from that point forward is probably the part of that process that we are the most familiar with, sure. right? And then that, that uh, evolved, so to say, into the temple. When Solomon dedicated the temple, the presence of God filled it. 
and you'll see that playing out. You'll see people uh, uh, offering blood sacrifices, God accepting them. This is where phrases like the uh, let's uh, uh, in the New Testament would be like a, let's be a, a sweet incense to God. It's the smell of the sacrifice. It's a worshipful smell, right? Because of the intention behind it. But it's all predicated on the heart of the person. So David says uh, in Psalms, he says, "If you if it was sacrifice you wanted, I would bring it." If it, was, if it was just these works of the law, I would do that. But what God actually wants is a broken and contrite spirit. That's what he will not despise. Mm-hmm. So just like in any religious system, God doesn't want you to throw something at him and say, now I've checked my sin off. Mm-hmm. He, it's the broken, contrite, faithful heart. In the New Testament, he'll talk about that a lot with uh, giving. And he'll, he'll be like, I don't... I don't need your money. Mm-hmm. Um, your money is an offering, right? I'm not looking for your money. I'm looking for your heart, and I'm looking for your willingness or your joy in giving that. So that's the way that it worked, and you you were redeemed or justified through the law, and that was everything from the sacrificial system, the days of atonement, the sacrifice of atonement, circumcision was a part of that, where you would be identified with God, um, keeping the Sabbath, keeping the Ten Commandments, those kind of things, um, but always coming from a pure heart. There were always, even in the Old Testament, there were priests who abused the religious system, and God judged them, right? And Samuel's sons, he like, judged them because he, he's like, they don't, they're just using the system, getting rich off of it. They're an ancient equivalent of a televangelist, right? So it wasn't the system, it was the heart behind the system. And I, I think the best way to think about the system is it was it was tactile, it was visual, it was tactile, it was doing something, but at the heart of it was this message that it takes a life to redeem a life. Yeah, that's really, really good. What I'm hearing is this continuity of um, they understood that it was in the hands of God. Yeah. Like that it wasn't e- even their sacrifices, it was less about what they were doing and more about like, we trust that we have to give you this life in, other wor- in, a- in order to save ours. That's right. Um, and so even uh, Ephesians 2, uh, you know, it talks about how it's uh, by grace that we're saved through faith. And now we know in the in the hindsight of the Old Testament that that's through Jesus Christ. Right. But they were leaning on God. Will you give us your grace? I believe that you you are the holder of my life and salvation. That's right. So so in in many ways, I, 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 what you're saying, Joe, is so important and good. Like in many ways, the the salvation through grace, uh, salvation by faith through grace, has not changed. Right. That's the same method in the Old Testament. It's not that if you took a lamb, slaughtered it, and threw it on an altar, no matter what you did or what you thought or what you cared about, your sins were forgiven and right. you paid your credit card off. These sacrifices had to be given from a place of purity and a pure heart, and God knows the heart, yep. right? And he looks on the heart, and so he knows the motive of those sacrifices. Because you'll see times in the Old Testament that uh, Saul, that King Saul would offer a sacrifice that God would not accept, you know, 
Um, you'll see other things. In fact, he would even judge people for it. And he's like, no, you're, you're abusing something, thinking I'm a good luck charm now. <laughs> what I don't have is your trust. What I don't have is your faith. What I don't have is your devotion. That's what I want. But you can express it. I want you to express it to me this way. Now, that's where all of the illusions in the Old Testament of Jesus being the Lamb of God comes from. Okay. So when, when the New Testament says Christ died once for all, so he is the Lamb, the, the sacrifice of God. This is why the blood of Christ is referred to so many times in the Scripture and why we—I uh, grew up—now it's so weird to sing a song like that, but when I grew up, we would sing songs about the blood of Christ. Yep. The blood flows. Uh, the wonder-working power. Wonder-working power of the blood. <laughs> are you washed in the blood of the mm-hmm. Lamb? You know, like, that, that feels weird now, but that's what that was, is that Jesus' life was required to pay for a life, and he was the ultimate sacrifice of atonement. Hmm. So the Lamb of God who laid his life down for the world, right? That's what all of that imagery is that's attached to Jesus. So when Jesus came, he did not negate the law, he fulfilled it. Yeah. So that's why we don't offer sheep and doves at church for yeah. sacrifices, right? That's why we don't practice those, because Jesus met all of the requirements of the law so when we accept Jesus, our righteousness and our justification are found in him. So in the Old Testament, you were made right, that's righteousness with God, and you were uh, made just, your debt was settled with God through the sacrificial system. In the New Testament, all that comes from Christ. Yep. So Christ, instead of us doing that work for God, Christ does that work for us. Yep. And our salvation is in him, through him, by him only, mm-hmm. right? Um, but that's where that comes from. That's really good. And I just can't help but think that we need to remember that Jesus is eternal. It's not like Jesus showed up one day. He right. incarnated one day. He came to earth one day. Right. But his work is has been, and it will always have been, eternal. One of the things that you said right there with Jesus fulfilling that, like I find that fascinating, like... Basically, these all of these uh, Old Testament saints, as like the New Testament describes them, you know, they had the faith, their faith in God, their faith that if they followed the law, they would be connected with God, and then Jesus comes and fulfills it. Right. It's almost like they were stacking up this debt. Like we're pretty sure that the law, we're we're trusting in God, and then all of a sudden Jesus comes, pays it, fulfills it, handled, done, check cleared. Now it's all they're all justified eternally before the Lord. That's right. And and so that's where you get into a conversation about like when Jesus died, the Bible says he went and set the captives free. Mm-hmm. Right. So <clears throat> those Old Testament saints were um I tried to I just tried to describe this. We could we could go <laughs> weeks in this conversation, so I don't want to do that. Because uh, it, it, it it's uh most people are like jogging right now. So um <laughs> When uh, at least Bob Ball is, um, when when Jesus went and set the captives free, what he did was he went to a place that the Bible re- would refer to as Abraham's bosom, mm. right? So the Old Testament saints, when they would when they died, they were in a holding place, so to say, 
It's where the Catholic Church, I believe, incorrectly gets their view of purgatory, mm-hmm. that you go to a holding place until somebody prays you or pays you out of that holding place. That holding place existed because the law had not been fulfilled yet. It was not a place of torment. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was a place of, of, of paradise, a place of rest. Um, the Bible describes that in the New Testament. I think it's Matthew chapter 14, uh, where, where Jesus would, uh, or 16, is 16, Matthew 16, where Jesus, or it's Luke 16 is what it is, um, where Jesus would describe that, and, and he gives a, uh, am I right about that? I'm getting there. He's, he's Googling it right now, because I had a brain cramp with it. Luke 16. Luke right. 16, yeah. Yep. So Jesus is describing that. And he tells a parable about a rich man and a poor man, and the poor man is in Abraham's bosom, right? So the poor man is, a, is in a place of paradise. The rich man who had rejected God is in a place of torment. And as a quick pause, if you're looking for the word bosom, you're probably not reading the King James. It's usually Abraham's <laughs> yeah. side. Yeah, that's right. But bosom <laughs> is an old word for it, right? Um, so there in Luke 16, Jesus is giving allusion to that, that holding place. When Jesus died, he went and preached to the captives— and basically what he said is, I'm the Messiah. Mm-hmm. I'm the Lamb of God. And then those captives would have been freed into what we would call or think of as heaven, mm-hmm. right? Now when we die, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we go instantly to heaven because the law has been fulfilled, right? And God's wrath has been justified. So the wrath of God, the Bible says, was poured out on his son, Jesus Christ. So the cross is Jesus enduring all of the payment for our sin. He died once for all. So the wrath of God has been satisfied. When I accept salvation, justification, sanctification, all the vacations, <laughs> when, when, I, when I accept that in my salvation from Jesus Christ, that's completely satisfied. There's no waiting on the Messiah to come or Jesus to give his life anymore. Right. So that's why the Apostle Paul says... For when I die, I'm in the presence of God. Yeah. Right. For me to die is is uh, is gain, and then I'm in uh, I'm ushered in the presence of God immediately, mm-hmm. because Jesus did that work. It's not me working for my salvation or following a rule. It's Jesus doing that work for me. Yeah. Right? But to your point. It's not a new work. It's a different work, Mm -hmm. right? So this is where if you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and you look at all the people who are heroes of the faith, most of that list is the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. you know, and and you'll recognize some of those names, some you probably, they're not as familiar, but they were believing in what they had not yet seen. And what they were believing in is the promise of the Messiah, or yeah. the believing in who Jesus is and the work that he that he did. Yeah, that's so good, and it's helpful because it can get confusing not only if you're curious about the Old Testament, but even it, it moves forward a little bit with you know just how does God work in in people's lives if they haven't yet heard of the name of Jesus, and it's that it's actually what I want to kind of like land on here in our kind of second part. I want to go back to what you talked about, that pure heart, that heart that's going after God, because even with Jesus having fulfilled it, I think that's an important uh, mindset for us today. 
uh, you mentioned like you couldn't just take a lamb and go, here's my dead lamb, leave me alone. Like it, it really had to be this like, God, I'm putting my life in your hands. It was that broken, contrite heart. And Jeff, take it somewhere. But I think that's kind of what why you see the word repent so much in the New Testament, right? Like what what's important about our heart position now? Jesus didn't ask who wants to go to heaven. Mm. That you won't really find that question in the Bible. What he asked is who will come follow me. Mm. And going to heaven is a byproduct of following Christ. It's not the motive for following Christ. Sure. Uh, being caught in the wonder and the power and understanding the depth of the love of Christ that he has for us draws us to follow him regardless of where he takes us he just promises to take us to 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 heaven mm-hmm. so what that what that means is is that uh i'm following christ because i want to i want to love him with all of my heart soul mind and strength not because he will benefit me in every way that i can ask or imagine yeah. uh the the parallel to it in scripture is a healthy christ-centered marriage Right, I love Heidi because she's Heidi. I don't love Heidi because what she can do for me. And if I am motivated to love her, I will be lost in the wonder of who she is. And out of there, I'll serve her, I'll sacrifice for her, all the rest, which creates a healthy relationship. She does that in turn for me. Right? Yeah. So that's the motive of it. The other part of, like, here's my lamb, you know... I did the work, take my sin away, leave me alone. Today, we just say, go to church, be baptized, uh, you know, go to confession, whatever. The religion is not what God is asking for. Uh-uh. He is asking for people, uh, followers who who follow him or search after him in, in uh, spirit and in truth. Uh-huh. So people who like my heart is here, and I want to know who you are. Like when I when I think about marrying Heidi, I want to know Heidi. I don't want to know like women <laughs> or like Brazilians, right? Right. I want to know a person deeply, passionately, mm-hmm. and as I know that that individual, I fall in her love with in love with her more deeply. And God knows people who are searching for him in that way. That's when you go and read Romans 1, that's where he says, even creation cries out to the glory of God. If you are searching for God, he will make himself known to you, mm-hmm. right? He makes himself known to you through the church. He makes himself known through you through his people. He makes, makes himself known to you through his own glory, which creation reflects, mm-hmm. Right. If you're searching for a higher power, you'll took you'll take those things and you'll turn the tree into a higher power. If you're searching for a religion, you'll take the church and turn it into a religion. Mm-hmm. But if you're searching for Jesus Christ, what you will find in those same avenues is the person of Jesus Christ. Yep. Right? So that's why the Bible says that at the end of time <clears throat> Uh, we will all stand before God in judgment, and Jesus will separate the sheep from the goats. So the, the, the imagery there is that sheeps and goats are all being herded by the same shepherds. Hmm. Yeah, They're all mixed together. <clears throat> so Jesus will look and say, uh, you love me, you serve me, you did this. 
enter into your rest. He'll look at a goat and say, I don't know you. And they'll say, but I, I served you, and I went to church, and I was nice to people. He's like, yeah, I don't know you. You didn't love me. Mm-hmm. Right? So he always looks on the heart. And from the Garden of Eden till today, that is where God searches. And me knowing, loving, responding out of love to Christ is what he wants. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament system of sacrifices were a path to help people do that. Today, the Church of Jesus Christ, you could even say the organized Church of Jesus Christ, one with elders, pastors, teachers, is a path to do that. The path is not what is sacred. Right. The the one you're finding or searching for on the path is, is the one that you're looking for. And I think um, to add some clarity to that, that is not all paths lead to heaven. That is, find the path that leads you to Jesus, where heaven is a byproduct of knowing Jesus. That's right. Yeah, that's great. Uh, It makes me think, I don't know why, but then again, my head is always jumping into metaphors and pictures and all that kind of stuff, but it makes me think of like a teenager who just got the rebellion bug and kind of like disenfranchised themselves from their parents and then 20 years later, dad reaches out and is like, hey, why don't we mend the fence? I, it looks like I'm going to have an inheritance for you. If you come and hang out with me and we'll work some on the house together, we'll work some on the car together, we'll you know, do some of these things, like we can talk about you, know, you kind of being written back into the will, so to speak. And the, the, the child has one of two options. They can say, if I just have to jump through these hoops to get my dad's inheritance— or they can start to realize, oh, man, this is a chance for me to reconnect with my That's parents. Right. And if you go into that second heartbeat, well, the inheritance isn't even the win. The win is I got reconnected with my parents. I now have a relationship with my father, with my mother, and that's what God's going after. I'm not just trying to give you paradise. I want to reconnect with you. That's right. Yeah, knowing, loving, following Jesus, knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection— um, is worth it as a standalone pull heaven out of the equation. Yeah. If there was no heaven, and there is, right. but if there was no heaven, it would still be worth knowing, loving, following Jesus Christ. He, yeah. he is a treasure unto himself. The wonder of heaven is not the, not the golden streets or these, these silly ideas that in heaven I get to do whatever I like to do on <laughs> earth for it. The wonder of heaven is I get to know Christ and unfettered by human limitations or my own sin. Yep. And yeah. so it's actually I get to know Christ fully, so mm-hmm. to say, yep. um, <clears throat> because in heaven we don't walk by faith, we walk by sight. Yep. You know, and no one in heaven has faith anymore. It's all tangible, real, and tactile to them. So the, the reward of heaven is Christ. The reward of earth is Christ because the reward is Christ. Yeah. Right? And and these methods that the Bible lays out, um, I agree with you strongly, obviously, not, not all roads lead to heaven, but the paths that God laid out in the Scripture can lead you to His heart and yeah. His mind. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, and, and that's why he, he laid them out in the first place. Yeah. If you're listening to this and um, 
you find yourself as a person that is exploring a relationship with God, or you just know you don't have a relationship yet with Him. I think what Jeff was just saying there, that the relationship with Jesus in and of itself is worth it, is super worth exploring, because so many of us categorize a relationship with God as a heaven and hell question, and it's so much richer than that. And if you're a follower of Jesus, and um, maybe you've had a struggle from time to time trying to share uh, your story of faith in Christ with others, I might lean into that more and more. What is yeah. what is your relationship with Jesus doing with you and for you today, right now? How is he impacting your life? What is he helping you see? How has he changed you? Because oftentimes it's that real-time experience that starts to connect with someone that doesn't yet know G- Jesus, because they may not be thinking about heaven and hell, like maybe at all. And so uh, let's continue to explore and ask God, help me see what it is you're doing for me today. Uh, Jeff, we're about to wrap this sucker up. You uh, got any final thoughts? I just wondered if I could mess up the ending like I did the beginning. Oh, that'd be fantastic. That'd be great. Well, if you'd like to submit questions, Jeff knows the website. What kind of questions, Joe? (laughs) (laughs) It worked. (laughs) Uh, Well, Jeff said we could talk about this for weeks. And (laughs) so if you have more questions about this, make sure you submit those, and we can go the next 50 episodes diving into this. No, in all seriousness, if you have questions about anything, we'd love to get to those. Uh, and you can submit those at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages. And if we can help you take any unique next steps, maybe you're that person exploring your pathway towards Jesus. Um, Maybe you're trying to figure out more and more about the security of your own salvation. Whatever those things might be, we'd love to help you. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure that you're sharing it, subscribing it, following, rating, review. We'd love for you to do that. Uh, Not because we want the reviews, but because we want more people to be able to hear this helpful stuff. Jeff might want the reviews. I want the reviews. (laughs) I I totally want the reviews. Uh, When's the last time you looked at the... I've never looked at the reviews. But if you're in the area, we'd love for you to join us on the weekend if you don't have a church family. Uh, And of course, if you're out of the area, you can always check us out online as well. Well, thanks for joining Jumping in with us today as Jeff messes around, but also (laughs) gives us some great insight as we seek God's voice through the mixed messages around us. Catch you next time.